Why is it every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny? You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know? Don't you know y'all supposed to just say something nice? Showtime. Welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast, your home for in-depth news discussions, reviews, and deep dives into movies, television shows, and music, with a special emphasis on diversity and the Black experience. You can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be found. And you can also find us on all social media under the handle at SSN Podcast or at our website, SSNPodcast.com. All right, so the main topic of our show today is Diane Carroll. She unfortunately passed away on Friday. It was Friday, right? Yeah, it was Friday at the age of 84. For those who do not know, uh, Diane Carroll was a pioneering black actress and singer. She has a bunch of, of first black women to do this, first black women to do that on her list. And the fact that she was still living shows you just how... Yes recent these changes in society and in entertainment in general have been mm-hmm. like you know like i also kind of feel like only a certain group of us gave her the credit in life that she really truly deserved yeah like i think we took only her- people who watch dynasty in a different world <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we took her for granted and while claudine, she was here I and claudine and uh, claudine yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so what we're going to do today is talk about her through her achievements and through her four most famous, um, roles, um, as the lead of Julia, the first TV show, mm-hmm. scripted TV show to star a black woman that did not have her play a servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudine, the 1974 film, um, starring her and James Earl Jones that gave like James a James. nuanced look at, you know, Black people living in poverty and got her an Oscar nomination for Best uh, Actress. And and Black people, like, in love. Yes. Like, it was... Yeah. I remember when I was, like... I never saw it, like, from start to finish. I just remember seeing it. You know, like, if it was on, I would watch a little bit of it. But I distinctly remember being like, wow, this is, like, a, a you know, a Black couple in love. But, like, specifically a Black man who loved this woman who had, like, a gang of kids. Yes. Because she had, like, six kids. And that. Like, for me, that was the first time I saw something like, I was like, this man is, like, really likes her because he is okay with all these dang kids that ain't his. Like, taking them out to places and stuff. Right. So Don't come was, home pregnant, mama. Well, and I shouldn't say currently, but I just say I've been in the Claudine situation and didn't even realize it until I watched Claudine back. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a James Earl Jones, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then uh, Dominique Devereaux. From Dynasty and the Colbys to primetime soap operas of the, the 1980s. The woman who created, look, not created, but defined shade and reading. The most epic reads ever. And the cost, like ever. The, the clothes, just luxury. Yep. I requested two separate rooms. I do not sleep in my clothes. I do not sleep with them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then finally, of course, as um, Whitley Gilbert's mother on the, A Different World, 
where she has, you know, one of the most simplest and best lines in black TV sitcom history. Die! Just die! Just die! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the back and forth between her and Patti LaBelle, just some of the best. Some of the best black mama acting on TV. Yeah. Their chemistry oh was amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. Right. Considering so, Patty don't... She, she only acted once after... What happened? I think she was. She only acted once after that on her sitcom that was on NBC after A Different World went off the oh, air. Oh, yeah. Out all night. Out all night. Yeah. All right. So. When y'all ready, I'll sing the theme song for you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll, listen, I'll join in with you because I used to love that theme song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a chance to sing it to Patty LaBelle. I was so proud of myself. Anyway. Wasn't Morris, because Morris Chestnut was in that, wasn't he her son in that show? Yeah, that was his first sitcom. Yeah, and, and Dwayne uh, Martin. And Dwayne Martin. Right, right. Oh, that show was so yep. good. I loved it. All right. So, Diane Carroll, uh, she's a cancer. Shout out to cancers. Uh, she was born hey. July the 17th, 1935. Her real name is Carol Diane Johnson. Oh, okay. So, which, is it Carol Johnson? That's also Whoopi Goldberg's real name, too. It is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Carol Elaine uh-huh. Johnson. Yeah. Why did I think it was something? Let me Google. Let me ask Google. Ca- well, no, 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 no. Carol and Karen. Okay, Karen, Karen. Karen, Karen, Elaine Johnson. Okay, yeah. yeah. Carol and Karen. Wow. Yeah. What the heck? She could, Whoopi Goldberg. I, you know what? I remember seeing something years ago, her explaining the name, but I forgot why she, cha- like, why she came up with that name. I heard she was to tribute to Jewish comedians. That's what I heard. Y- yeah. Something like that. Um, like, Diane Carroll, the first thing that I think most people saw her in probably was Carmen Jones, in which, you know, she plays um, one of Carmen Jones's friends. Like, she was very young. Too. I think she was, like, 19 in that movie. Mm. Uh, and, you know, she's very good in it. They did not let her sing her own parts, unfortunately. They got, you know, the singing ghost to come in and dub her, like they did almost everybody else, except for Pearl Bailey. Um... Uh, y'all have I seen have... Carmen Jones, right? No, I was just about to say I have yes. not. No, I have not. Oh, uh, but yeah, you know, she's in there. She's cute. I've seen it once. I've seen Halle Berry play Dorothy Dandridge in Dorothy Dandridge. <laughs> I, mean, I have not seen Carmen Jones. <laughs> <laughs> you you owe yourself a viewing. Yeah, I know. it's a really it's a really good musical. It's really good. Um, came out in 1954 in Technicolor. Uh, and so after that, Diane Carroll worked as an actress both on stage and on screen. In 1962, she was the first Black woman to win the Tony Award for Best Leading Actress for a uh, musical called No Strings, written by Richard Rodgers. He did the songs for it. It was her and Richard Kelly as an interracial couple living in France. I had no idea she had a Tony. Yes, she did. Yeah. She was the first Black woman to win one. Mm. Or to win for Best Lead Actress. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, that's already historic. Uh, mm-hmm. During the 1950s and 60s, um, she was dating Sidney Poitier, who... What? Who, we should point out, was married. <gasps> and when the wife found out, they got divorced. Yeah, I didn't know this! <laughs> oh, uh, I, I don't know if you can hear me, I, I I don't know if you can hear me typing, ago. but I'm like, I'm about to ask <laughs> yeah. Galicia, like, girl, Yeah, what? I found out two months ago, and I literally... That's scandalous. Because it was a book that was covering um, the best picture nominees of 1967. And, of course, Sidney Poitier starred in two of those movies. Uh, 
But uh, I thought he liked the white twin. Mm, back then, back then, he was dating the black ones. Because the his first wife was black. Kids are black. Oh, look. I just, all I did was type in Sydney in Google. And the first thing that came up was Sydney Portier and Diane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> y'all so messy. Y'all just mess. Nosy people like me. <laughs> but yeah, she worked steadily. Like she was always on like these TV shows, the Hollywood Palace, the Judy Garland show, Merv Griffin show, you know, What's My Line and all like that. Uh she was she was in Porgy and you have shocked me today. Oh oh yeah, you didn't know that either? Like I found out you two months ago. So yeah. Uh, she was also in Porgy and Best, the movie, the movie that will not be released anymore because the George Gershwin family does not want us to see it because they don't like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but her biggest, first really biggest break came in 1968 when she was cast as the lead in Julia, a, sit- um, a sitcom about a nurse who's a single mother because um, she's a widow who's raising a little boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cute show. I watched a bunch of it on Nick at Night back in the day. Uh, That's what I was going to ask you, Brandon. Can you? I've never seen Julia, and I've always wanted to see it. Where can you find it now? It comes on one of those channels that plays like uh, Laverne. I think was it Logo? Because like it's like a. It might be on the, Logo. Yeah, because I think it's like the show Alice and Laverne and Shirley. Like sometimes yeah, they come on yeah, there, and I I've seen Julia. Oh, girl, I ain't got no cable. Yeah. I got to find oh, it on the okay. app somewhere. Like, it's, literally it's recently, like, a couple weeks ago, I remember seeing, like, an episode of Julia. So it still comes on, like, one of those shows that just, one yeah. of the channels that plays all the older shows. It's owned by Fox. Ask them if they'll put it on Hulu. Well, is Logo a Fox? I'm no, it's not sure like MTV. It's Viacom. Who will now. What Logo is? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, but, yeah, like, um, and the thing is, in 68, when the show first came on the air, um... People were very split on Julia. Like, the more, I guess, like, liberal of us felt like it was too tame and saccharine. And that they cast Diane Carroll because, you know, they felt like she looked like, you know, that she played the white Negro. And that's actually what she said at the time. She said, at this moment, we're presenting the white Negro. Um... Because they were trying to play it safe because, you know, in the South, they did not, like having, you know, colors appear on their television screens all unprompted right. without their control. They were mad about Nichelle Nichols being on Star Trek. <laughs> so we got the nerve to be uppity too. Right. And <laughs> and about um um Bill Cosby being on I Spy before that. So now this black woman shows up on a with her own TV program with no husband. Who does she think she is? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> And not playing the friend or the neighbor. You mean Negroes with education? We don't want to see that shit. Right. A nursing degree? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like the. And then I read come up again, Claudine was her business. You broke up a little bit. We'll get to Claudine in a second. I know what you're about (laughs) to say, though. Uh, So Julia ran for three seasons from 1968 to 1971. Uh, and season one, it was the number seven show on TV. So it was in the top ten. They, they explored race on the show a little bit here and there. Like, they didn't hide from it at all. Like, they just handled it, you know, with like a light sort of kind of like equivalent to like an ABC show 
handling it now, mm-hmm. or a CBS show handling like that light touch they had. Uh, which incidentally, this show was on NBC. It was on either of those two. <laughs> mm. Right. And so it was canceled when um, um, Diane Carroll decided she wanted to go on and do other projects. Uh, they were. She was nominated for uh, Best Actress in the Lead Role Emmy Award in 69. She did win, uh, what was it, the Best TV Star uh, Golden Globe in 1969. Well, this, what I'm on says she won the Emmy, too. No, she didn't win the Emmy. She was nominated. She might have won the Emmy for something else, I think, but it was not for Julia. Well, this website, well, The Guardian is wrong because The Guardian said she was the first to win an Emmy in the category of Best Actress in a Leading Role in a Comedy Series. She might have been the first to be nominated is what it was. Well, somebody needs to go ahead and correct this. <laughs> Somebody's getting fired. <laughs> right? <laughs> they so show said she won. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe, she never, she does not appear to have ever won an Emmy. She's been nominated one, two, three, four, Four, five times for Emmys. Uh, when she was on um, a show called Naked City in 1963, uh, for Julia, for A Different World, for Grey's Anatomy, and for being on a... Yeah, she played Burke's mama on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, and then for being on a spe- TV kids special called The Sweetest Gift. So five Emmy nominations. Mm. And two NAACP nominations. One, two... I guess two Golden Globe nominations and one win for Julia. And then, of course, we'll get to Claudine next because she was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress for that. So Claudine is a movie, uh, you know, written by white people and directed by a white person. But, you know, they still caught all the nuances. I was surprised. Uh, You know, it's about a woman, Claudine Price. She um, works as a... She's on welfare, but she also works as a maid, you know, like on the side, you know. Fraud! Yep. Yeah. Who, what's, what's the actor's name? What's the actor's name that plays her oldest son? Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. Jacobs. Yes. Okay. Baby, Joe he was Jackson. intense in that movie. Okay. <laughs> he was acting. He wasn't having nothing. Really. You should have no, did like the slaves favorite. did and throw and killed me before I was even born. No, my favorite of the kids was a uh, taboo who was on every '70s show back then. But she had me and my friend loved to repeat her one-liners. It's going to turn out chicken anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they in here watching Tarzan say, yeah, Tarzan, kick the shit out of him. <laughs> you, you, I ain't you, nothing. <laughs> I don't know nothing. I don't have nothing. And I ain't got nothing. I love her in that movie. I'm going to see Abdullah. I mean, Tommy, he changed I mean, his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm still trying to figure out. I gotta. I keep trying to ask old people, what do I just feel? I know what it's supposed to mean. It's supposed to be half sense. But what do I just feel him in me? I don't know the feel. What do that mean? That sounds like sex. I, no, I know it. I know that it means sex, but I still, I guess I don't get the, I guess. I just felt is. him in me. Or <laughs> let me. I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, but <laughs> random trivia, I just found out because I was watching. So Jimmy Walker did a uh, one of those um, four-hour archive of TV um, Academy Interviews. Jones interviews. Yeah, one of them long <laughs> interviews that's on YouTube. You can watch like all four hours of it. Taboo um, was in the running to play Thelma on Good Times. Is that how she ended oh. up playing old girl that stole all the, all the lottery money? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it was her, um, Chip Fields, and Bernadette Stannis who got the part, of course. And we all know Chip Fields got a different part on Good Times. Oh, later. yeah. <laughs> 
Just to add. <laughs> but that do make sense because Taboo was on a lot of stuff back. She was on Nash. She was on Sanford and Son. She was on a lot of stuff. Yes, she was. So Claudine, of course, she meets a um, a truck, uh, uh, the garbage delivery man named um, Rupert Roop, played by James Earl Jones. And they um, start going out and everything, but it's complicated because they really like each other. They do fall in love, but he can't really marry her because he can't afford to take care of her and she can't afford to be off welfare. Mm. And so it's very complicated. They're trying to figure out what to do. Meanwhile, of course, we mentioned the oldest son, Charles, um, played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, who's kind of like, um, who wants to be at one point a black revolutionary and another point just wants to be a, a nihilist, I guess, and just, you know, lay down and die. Um, you know, he's he's a very depressed, like very intense um, young black man who doesn't know where he's going in life. Uh, mm-hmm. Then um let me get the rest of these kids' names so I don't get them all wrong because I'm about to call her Taboo again, but I need to get <laughs> Charlene. Uh, she's yeah. going out with um, raggedy-ass Abdullah and, you know, <laughs> um, Claudine warns her, don't you come home pregnant. Which is still what Black Mama say to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then the other kids, um, Paul Price who's sort of kind of like the little hustler one who I uh, was trying to show Rupert how to, how to uh, run, run them, um, <laughs> them dice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Lewis ones, um, Patrice, Francis, and Lurleen. And Francis is the little boy who wants to be invisible because everybody just ignores him because there's too who many kids to in the invis- house. Is, is he like right in the middle? Probably? No, he's towards the back end. Like he's the fifth oh. of the six kids, but you know, oh, there's so okay. many of them. He just feels invisible. Yeah. He, he's the sixth. He's the second to last. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has that monologue where she's like T-Pain. Kayla, we love you, but hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and then Roxy Roker, um, Lenny Kravitz's mom and one of the stars of the Jeffersons plays the welfare lady yeah. who tries to and explain. best friends in real life. Yep. She tries to explain to them why they can't um, get um, like what would happen if they get married, and so um, see this is how they keep they see this is just gone. Yeah, it is. Just destroyed the black family. Yeah, it is. Oh. You, well, you can't be with me because then I lose my welfare. Oh, well, I can't afford you no way. And that's exactly they want to talk about how. We don't have this and... Well, y'all keep us apart because of all these systems in place. That's exactly mm. what the movie does, too. And then James Earl Jones mm. starts to like, So it's fraud. It's fraud. <laughs> <laughs> fraud. <Yep. laughs> Just watch by everybody typewriter. Fraud. <laughs> it's a really good movie because it came out in 1974 in the middle of black exploitation, And it's not a... Exploitation movie just happens to have a full right. black cast, mm-hmm. and it's it's heads and shoulders above or most of the movies that came out in the seventies that star us. It's it's really good. If you have not seen I Claudine, you should like really try that. To see it. That and like Women of Bruce's Place were like my favorite like older movies to catch whenever they would be on TV. Yes, yes, indeed. And of course, it has a great soundtrack, um, a great score by Curtis Mayfield, and a great soundtrack Ooh, written yes. by him and sung Curtis. by Gladys Knight and the Pips. I don't know, Carolyn. I don't know. <laughs> the the aliens on God. Oh Lord. Uh, but yeah. Um, originally, Claudine was supposed to star Diane Sands, who I think was also for Julia. Ended up playing Julia's cousin on the show. Oh, 
Let me Google her. I don't know. Um, but the problem was that on the first week of work, Diane Sands fell ill. She never recovered. And she ended oh. up dying before the, um, she could return to the set. Um, Diane Carroll was on the list of people that she wanted to replace her before she passed away. And Diane Carroll was kind of concerned about doing mm. it. And the producers were, too, because they felt like she was too, quote, sophisticated to play mm-hmm. a welfare mother. And it's called acting. Yeah, God. yeah. So she 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 came <laughs> she came to the audition with no makeup, and she went and bought like a like a dress from like, you know, like Woolworths or a, whatever, a thrift store or something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she got the part. She convinced them that she could you know dress down and everything and play this woman, mm-hmm. because she says you know, I may not have grown up super poor, but I grew up in the same neighborhood with poor people. I knew Claudines; they were my next door neighbors. Right. And so she got that part, and she's great in it. And she won. Yes. She nominated for an Oscar for it. She is Listen, the sitting on sitting on that stoop smoking her cigarette. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she had that down. Like I believed it. Yeah. So Diane Carroll was nominated for the Oscar for Best Actress of nineteen seventy four. She was the fourth black woman nominated for Best Actress after Dorothy Dandridge. Diana Ross and Cicely Tyson, the last two of them, were nominated the same year, 1972, and Dorothy Dandridge in 1954 for Carmen Jones. Well, 1954 and 1972. Like, really great film. Y'all should definitely all check it out. All right. Next up is um, Dominique Devereaux in Dynasty and the Colbys. I've not seen enough of those shows to do this, so I'm going to let y'all get the floor. Mm, I don't have it. I pass. I, <laughs> I have, I haven't seen it either. I mean, I've seen clips of her and like Joan Collins. I've seen all them clips, all them shady clips where it's her and Joan Collins yeah. just throwing darts at each other back and yeah. forth. Well, she was the half sister of John Forsythe's uh, character. Um, and who was he? He. I don't know why I can't remember his character on the show. Was he married to Joan Collins? No. Oh, okay. Well, no. Wait a minute. No, Maybe at some point. Oh. Um. Wait. Give me one second. Because you know Dominique Devereaux is on the new Dynasty program. Uh, they have a different actress playing her. I think Michelle. Michelle. I think her name is. Uh, oh, the CW is that? Yeah, the CW? CW. Yep. Is it continued or did it? Did they end that? Good ass question. Did it come back? I feel like they ended that. I know they came like out for a season, season season two because I was yeah, surprised. But, the late the rates right. were fucking low. Right, but I feel like that season that was like the last. I don't think they continued that. Uh, nope. Wrong. Third season premieres on um, Friday. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Somebody's oh, watching it. <laughs> so he was married in the show. He was married to Crystal. Um, who was also an enemy of uh, um, Joan Collins' character. Was that the blonde lady? Uh, yes. Okay, okay. So Crystal and um, Alexis did not get along. So, of course, she... <laughs> mm-hmm. They all had good reason to beef with... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. How long was uh, Diane Carroll on Dynasty? Three years between Dynasty and the Kobe, oh, okay. she was on oh, for three she was years. A good little stretch, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. But I just I'm imagine that, that you know, on, like um, 
since I saw it on, that it's on Amazon Prime, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, like you've never yes. seen like I mean a glamorous black woman like that on a show like yes. that. Opulence. Oh you my own god! Everything. Just, just look and, and everything like she smells is yours. rich. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that, like how she talked was almost the same kind of diction that Joan Collins had too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they probably had similar. You know, they probably were sent away. Right. Uh, well, no, they did not have the same schooling, but similar. Right. You know, I'm sure that was, you know, the background. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's not enough to go to school here. They send them away to proper schools, you like know. boarding school up in Connecticut yes. or something. Or right. overseas. <laughs> and overseas, yes. You know, backstory. <laughs> I used, I too. <laughs> <laughs> I too. Used to want to go to boys' school and connect. Girl, you know it's cold up there. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay, first of all, I became obsessed with Connecticut because the Babysitters Club. Because I was like, "Wow, this place looks amazing," and I would have my own babysitting business. <laughs> but I used to. I don't know why, but I used to want to like go to boarding school, like up in Connecticut. I have no clue why. Don't ask. Don't ask. I was a very imaginative. Only child, okay. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you know, you have her playing um, Whitley's mother. What's her first name? Uh, not a, okay. Patty was Adele. Marion. Marion. All right. Yes. Marion Gilbert. Gilbert. in a different world. You know, who better to play um, mother of stuck up oh Whitley Gilbert? God. Nobody. <laughs> There's nobody else. So perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm on Wi-Fi. Can y'all hear me now? Yes. 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 <sighs> I feel like I feel like my voice has been silenced by the man. <laughs> I'm telling you, the aliens were coming for you. Well, are we still talking about Dynasty? Real quick, you can talk about <laughs> Dynasty real quick. Go ahead. World. Yeah, I, it's, it's very quick. All I'm gonna say is that the gays love. Dominique Devereaux, and if you ever watch Noah's Ark, then you you know all of the lines. Yes, that's what she, she was the queen. They were the queens of shade and reading. Yes, that is true because on Ira Madison's IG, he has been like showing clips of Dynasty for like months. <laughs> like that was <laughs> a, when, like, when she died. Like the first thing that went day. up was like all those reads between her and Alexis. Mm-hmm. And with the balls, a lot, a lot of the queens have named themselves after, like, Dominique and Alexis. And their whole house is named after and everything. They were they were very, I mean, especially being in the 80s, like, if you watch Paris is Burning, they talk about how um, Dynasty was very important to the evolution of the ball scene. Because mm-hmm. people went from trying to be, like, you know, showgirls to trying to be, like, Dynasty. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important. Everybody that, knows that, a that lady car- do carry a handbag at night. At night, yes, and exactly. What's the um the there's that character on Pose that reminds me of her too? Um, Electra. Uh, oh, Electra. Yes, Electra. Yes. yes. A Zoom picture. Yes, she's supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that we were talking about. We, was it in a thread in the podcast group? I can't remember. We were talking about uh about Electra. I'm sorry, Electra's like diction the way that she speaks mm-hmm. and I was like that's because in the 80s everybody was trying to speak like Dominique did whether they knew it or not even my yep. aunties who probably didn't watch Dynasty but everybody was trying to be like proper that was like the corporate 80s mm-hmm. everybody was doing that shit yep. so but yeah the, the ballroom is in mourning right now that's it I'm sad that I missed the the, uh, the Claudine conversation but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Um, and now a different world. Like I really enjoy her on as the mom on a different world. And of course, she once was off- again a very proper lady. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. indeed, very proper, very nasty. Uh, <laughs> towards nice Dwayne Wayne, nice nasty. Yes. <laughs> uh, then of course, she was also in the Five Heartbeats as the, um, Jimmy's wife. She's she start doesn't do much in the Five Heartbeats, but it's nice to have her in there. Like she, her part. Oh, that's that time when uh, when Big Red came to the funeral and whispered in her ear. Yeah. Get out! Yeah, get out! Get out! <laughs> get out! Because <laughs> <laughs> he was coming there, he tried. He was trying to hit on her at, he was at the to funeral. Hit. <laughs> that's on some Bobby Womack shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good classic black scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, any other Diane Carroll performances that stand out to y'all? Or just anything hmm. about her in general? I love watching her interviews. Like, she was always a good interview because she always just, she, she she does not have any guards in interviews. She tells everything like it is in Wait plain a minute. English. I know we're not forgetting her turn in Jackie's back. Oh, oh. yes, yes. Oh, my God, yes, as herself. Doing all that shame about Jackie Washington. Shoot, you cannot, you cannot have a discussion about Diane Carroll without her and Jackie Washington and how Jackie stole everything from her. Yes. She's on the line with her lawyer right now. She said, what? She's having another comeback? This child has more comebacks. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my friend Marcus showed me that movie for the first time. I was in love with that damn movie. (laughs) Oh, you know what else we're forgetting? We are forgetting her as the the voodoo lady in Ease Bayou. Yes. Yes. I love her in that movie, too. Yes. She was scary as shit, but I mean, she was, you had to be intense to play that part. Back right. then, yes. when she was laughing at the little girl, she was like, you said you wanted him dead. You said that he harmed somebody. Oh, yeah, I loved her in that movie. Uh, but yeah, so she she passed away this week from lung cancer that she had been battling oh, for a wow. long time. And I didn't know she was 84. I thought she was, she was closer either. to 74, but then I should have done the math when she was, you know, she was 19 in Carmen Jones. That would put her at 84, so... Dang, I didn't know she wow. had lung cancer. How long do you, do you know how long she had lung cancer? Uh, they said it would have been a long battle. I'm assuming it'd been like a better part of a year or something. Let me see if I can find an exact number right quick. Because I'm trying to like, when was the last time that she was like out and about? Like, has she just been? That, that's what I was thinking. Like, I've been I saw, laying I saw, I for a couple years. Like, yeah. Um, really? Yeah. She was in. Oh. She was in that Tyler Perry movie, um, Peoples, the one he didn't direct. She played the, the oh. grandmother. Oh, that was a good movie. But I, I think, it. you know, I was telling a friend the other day cause, who fusses at me all the time because I fall out whenever these people die. I said, we see so many people in reruns all day long that we, right. just, we don't remember how old they are. Right. My, my grandmother is 85 and on a walker and stuff now. So they, they were the same age. And yeah, yeah. My, grandma, my grandma would have been the same age. Uh, she was born in 1935, too. Yep. We just, we don't, we don't think about it. Like, we still, I still watch, I still see her as 
Mother Gilbert. I still see Me her, too. you know, shopping and giving weirdly hell. I don't think about how old. When I saw the, the picture with her with the glasses, up, I was like, I didn't even, I didn't think about it at all. Yeah. Our fave is getting old. Listen, right? Like, it's every year that we get and older, these new people like, is oh, trash. they getting older. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but oh I think God. it's so funny because I was in a thread the other day where there's some, somebody had the nerve to blaspheme the name of of Cicely Tyson and talking about uh, you, talking about why she just retired and all that. I had to go off on this person oh, because between her, really between I mean there's so many people but really Diane Carroll and Cicely Tyson they've been alive forever and they really came to epitomize the evolution of black women in television and in movies. They played everything from elegant women to yes. you know struggling women to educate. They played like everything. Like mm-hmm. you, those are two people you can't you can't have Black television without the two of them. You just can't. Oh, no. And, and really what I was going to say about about um, Claudine is that I don't think people give enough credit to the way that that movie really showed. And, it, and to this day, that movie is like, what, 50 years old, how it really shows Black womanhood. And it really, like, when it, when it shows that, that scene, when the... Um, the first time the social worker comes and they have to like hide all the stuff. Mama, like, it's the social worker and they start right. hiding everything. Switch. And really, like Curtis Mayfield, that soundtrack was so perfect because the Welfare Man song is so fucking Keep perfect. away from it. It's so, but when you think about like what she went through as a, a poor mother, mm-hmm. you know, what she was, what she thought she was keeping her daughter from, you know, what her son was going through as oldest of six kids and having seen his mama with all these different men mm-hmm. and still straight. Like, it's so many nuances that people don't really get that movie credit for. Right. Oh, I believe there was a tweet oh. recently where someone was saying um, Diane Carroll was responsible for several different types of single motherhood. You had her as a widowed mother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Julia, you had her as a divorced mother. Um, and Claudine and um, what was the other movie? Oh, no, excuse me. She was divorced in A Colored World and just a single mother um, in Claudine. In, in Claudine. So you got to see her several different ways and across the economic spectrum if you also include uh, Dominique Devereaux. Well, no, uh, well, yeah, Marion was 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 well off too. Yeah, you know, Marion was was that uh, like especially when you hear Willie talk about her history, she was that 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 uh, Jack and Jill group that right. people don't yeah. really uh-huh. like give. Uh-huh. You know, they don't like people to see that view of people from Virginia, the that paper bag money. Yeah, type. used to own slaves back uh, two hundred years ago. That family. Mm-hmm. Another movie that not very many people, because I'm sitting here looking at her Wikipedia, that I love that very few people have seen. It was in 1982. It was Sister, Sister that was directed by, or was it written by or directed by Maya Angelou? I can't remember. But it was her, Rosalind Cash, and Irene Cara. Written by she, Maya Angelou. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And she played, she, was, she played the sister that stayed home and was like real pious and religious, but was secretly sleeping with the pastor. That was a really good one. That was a really good one, too. I love that movie. And I just remember looking at the Wikipedia, too. She was in the Star Wars holiday special, the infamous Star Wars holiday special. She sings a whole number when, um, I forget if, I think it was the grandpa, Grandpa Chewbacca. 
turned on like <laughs> I guess whatever the equivalent of the internet was on in Star Wars and was watching Diane Carroll sing a whole number and she's doing all this this sexual moves and everything. Ooh, da, 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 da. And it, it's, she's there for like a good strong eight minutes of um screen time. Uh, saying uh, wait a minute, Brandon. What is this fully wang? Is this a, a mistake talking about the Little Mermaid twenty eighteen? Wait, what? There was a movie, Little Mermaid twenty eighteen. What is it? What is it on hers or is it someplace else? It came up on her, but it might you know sometimes it'd be a mistake. But it came up on hers, and I'm trying to look. It's not her. Somebody made a movie, Little Mermaid twenty eighteen. It's not Disney. It's somebody else. Yeah, because it's that on. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. No, it's Diane Carroll that's on here. Diane Carroll, Joe Marie Payton. This is interesting. Oh, wait. Joe Marie Payton. What? Harry Winslow. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Little Little Mermaid is a 2018 live action fantasy adventure inspired by blah 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 blah. It's written and directed by Blake Harris, co-directed by Chris Bouchard, and produced by Armando Gutierrez. It was released by Netflix and AMC yeah. Theaters. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that's on Netflix. I didn't know she was in it. Okay. Uh-huh. Wait, is this the one? I remember like when I first moved here to Savannah a few years ago. There was one that was being filmed here. They actually uh, rented one of our vessels for it. And I'm wondering if this is the same. Well, when I bring it up again with the cast, she doesn't come. Now, Joe Marie Payton does still come up as Lorene. But she doesn't. When you go into, she comes up on the first page and then she doesn't. So maybe it's a mistake. Maybe she got replaced by Joe Marie Payton. Maybe. Yeah, this is. Maybe that could have been around the time that that she got sick. That she got sick. Yeah, Yeah, that's possible. Because I, I Googled and I saw that she was at the 2013 Emmys because she presented with Kerry Washington. Mm. But I don't know, like, if mm. that was the last time that she was, like, out, you know. Carolyn, it was you who shared that article that was, like, it without um, Diane Carroll, we wouldn't have Scandal. We wouldn't have Kerry Washington starting this scandal, yeah, which is and, very and, true. And the, and the, the, the thing that's not concerned, but the question I had is I'm surprised they had everybody and their mama on scandal that they never had Diane Carroll unless, again, she was sick and couldn't do it. But I'm surprised that they never invited her But to as long there. as that show was on. Right, right. You would time. think. Yeah. You would think that they would at least gave her a cameo. I mean, if you can get uh, Marla Gibbs, who I heard they had to feed her lines, too, you can get Diane Carroll. But hey, well, maybe, oh, maybe she just maybe she didn't want to. Maybe they asked. Maybe. She was like, "Nah, I'm chilling." Yeah, I have a question, Brandon, because I'm not. I haven't sat and put together the timetables. But considering the differences between Julia and like she was, she was talked about for doing Julia, and then she was talked about about doing uh, Claudine. Claudine, and those are two opposites. Was there any time that people was like, okay, like I don't know, any resolution? Because like you asked her to not be as bougie. She do something that's not as bougie. And I did hear, you know, people talking about, oh, we don't want people to see us like that either. It's just weird. We weird. Yeah, people, I mean, you know how, you know, we, people will always find something like, not to be complain about, but people are, different people will feel a different way about certain things. And just, you know, we can't please everybody. And nor should we even try. We'll go crazy. I mean, yeah. obviously now we see why Julia was was the way it was, where it was, you know, sort of kind of, you know, what the old people would say, uppity, you know, 
because they're trying to make sure they can get a program on national TV at a time. Martin Luther King had just been shot when that movie program mm. went on the air. Like, the, the country was in turmoil. And so, you know, you're not going to put, you know, like, the Angela Davis show on NBC primetime at that time. You're just not going to do that. You are, you're going to put Julia on, you know, she's going to come on. She's going to be a nice, educated nurse. You know, she's going to be, you know, smiling and pretty and doing light comedy with a laugh track. Um, Oh, I know what I was saying before the aliens got me about Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other thing that was funny about the the difference between the uh, the way Julia and Claudine was, because I read somewhere that Julia was also talked about about showing her with different men and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because, you There's know... she's another police and the black women. She didn't have... Uh, um, you know, her husband was dead, but I don't know what's wrong with that. She should be able to date who she wanted to on TV. Um, black women. women. Black yeah. women can't have romance. Black women can't do nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. We can't do shit. We can't do shit. We, we already let you not be a, a maid. You want to be sleeping around, too. Mm-hmm. Speaking of maids, we should <laughs> mention that, you know, like um, Ethel Waters and Louise Beavers were the first um, people to star, the black first black women to star on TV because they were they were the stars of Beulah, uh, one behind the other. We, you know, mm. Beulah used to be an old radio show about the maid and her white family, you know, and they brought it to TV in the early 50s. They were, you know, they had Beulah, they had Saffron and Son, they were, you know, they were trying to put black people on TV back then, but it, not Sanford the Sun, uh, Amos and Andy, Christ, that's that's a tank. Um, they, were tr- <laughs> they were trying to put, you know, black people on TV back then, and it was not working because they were still, you know, putting them in stereotypical roles. They even had, like, Willie Best on the Stu Irvin show and all like that, but by 1955, it was a complete whitewash, and it stayed that way for the next 10 years. Because they were too terrified of, of they don't they didn't know what to do with us, but uh, right. other than rerun Little Rascals episodes. Oh, but then they couldn't even keep Nat King Cole on the air, and he was another prim and proper whitewashed, you know, show, and they couldn't keep that on the air too. Nope. Couldn't when did that. Sammy Davis Jr. was that his time too? That's his time, the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. But mm-hmm. like you know, he's he's Good doing boing, like boing. variety shows and things like that, you right. know, like and everything and singing and dancing. He's not in anything scripted per se. Why gotcha. people like when you tap dancing and entertain them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody okay. sent me Sammy Davis Jr. when um recorded a cover of uh, the theme from Shaft <laughs> that Isaac Hayes produced for him. Oh, okay, then I won't laugh. Uh, Marcus, Mark, Marcus sent me that damn thing, and no, you should laugh because Sammy Davis Jr. like the music sounds great, but he came on, he was like. Who's the black private dick who's a sex machine to all the chicks? You know, Sammy Davis Jr. Rick. And I was just like... So is, Carl, is Carlton Banks singing Yes! Like <laughs> <laughs> yes! Oh, goodness. Oh, jeez. Uh, but yeah, so rest in peace, Diane Carroll. And I, I'm hoping that they'll do... They need to have like a TV special or something, some sort of a, a bigger tribute than they would. They'll just do the shit where they put you on the reel at the Emmys next year. Well, look, Tyler Perry on half of BET Plus, so maybe he'll do something for the app. 
Yeah, like yeah. Like, for once, let know? black uh, black channels do what black channels supposed to do. Besides mm-hmm. the BET Awards, and for, since for he, once. you know, since he had already named one of his sound stages after her, so I'm sure, hopefully, he'll do some kind of like little yeah, do know, like some kind of little special. Yeah, like a half hour or an hour special. That's yeah. just you know, sit you know everybody down who's still around, who are her contemporaries, James Earl Jones and everybody, while we still have all of them. And, you know... And Sydney, see what, you know... Yeah. I mean, Sydney, I think enough time has passed that Sydney could talk about the shit now. I think it's fine. We all know. He he ain't no Quincy Jones, though. I feel like he wouldn't say nothing. I don't know. um, Because, like, there has to be a way he can talk about it in a non-scandalous way, you know, like... Yeah. You know... They call me Mr. Non-Philander. I I love Diane Carroll. (laughs) You have to understand. I didn't, you, you know, it was a Mama, special relationship. <laughs> yes, get, we won't be get free until you all get off my back. <laughs> Dad, I love you, but you think of yourself as a colored man. I think of myself as a man. <laughs> a man. A man. <laughs> oh my gosh. That movie is insane. Guess who's coming? That movie is insane. I watch it and I'll, I'll be half enjoying it and half like. <gasps> yeah, that, that yeah, that daddy. I'm like, oh, see. Mm-hmm. Ooh. What's the actor that plays the daddy? What's his name? I forgot. I know that um, um the, the the lady shoot. the lady who plays the mother. She was on Family Matters. She got nominated for the Oscar for that. B. Richards. I forgot who played the daddy. Yeah. Uh, oh, cause uh, shoot. Oh, he's, yeah, Bea Richards is no B. Uh, if you want to talk about another epic, legendary person, B. Richards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in everything. Yeah, everything. Back in the Till day. the day she this died. Roy Till Glenn. The day she literally died. Yes, Roy Glenn is the actor who played the father. He passed Wait. like not too long after that. He he didn't live past fifty six. He died in seventy one. Mm. Wait. Oh, you talking? About, what movie are we talking about again? Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? Oh, I'm thinking of the white daddy. Oh, uh, Spencer oh, Tracy. Spencer Tracy, yeah. yeah. That's what, oh, you talking about Sydney? Okay. Yeah, that that man died on like yeah. like the the, oh, the week or Catherine two after. Because Catherine Hepburn was the wife. Yeah, yeah week or yeah. two after the, they finished filming Spencer Tracy. Really? Yeah, he was very very sick when they filmed that. But uh, Sidney oh. Kramer, the director, he begged for Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn to do one more film together, and so. The um, whose studio was that? That is a Columbia movie, um, Sony. Now they refused to insure him, so they actually put um, the director, Catherine Hepburn, and Spencer Tracy's salaries in escrow as a bond against completing the movie in case they they couldn't afford. In case he died on the set, they could what, refilm his what, scenes with somebody else. What kind of sickness did he have? He was just oh, he had been alcoholic for so very long. And so many like personal problems, depression, and everything. Um, oh, wow. Wait, wait. We talk about white people business on this show, right? Uh, when was, have we not? I'm asking. When have we not? I'm sorry. Oh, Spencer are Tracy, you new here? Spencer Tracy was, you know, he was a little bit bisexual in an era where that was not appreciated or um, like. Oh, oh, okay. You know, I think we need to get up because everybody, everybody. Everybody. Because that's why him and Catherine Hepburn were such good friends. They, you know, hid each other's secrets. What's... And they liked each other as people Wait, as well. what was the secret? Oh, I thought you were going to say they were swinging were, together. The both of them were swinging together. Yes, that's what, that's what the deal was. Wait, so... she was bisexual too? Yeah. 
Everybody. What I just say? Everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 and that's why I tell you all the time, that's that's still Hollywood to this day. Everybody keeping everybody secrets. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying on that. Miss, right. I used to live in L.A. Because <laughs> <laughs> right before this, Diane Carroll actually, um, the year before, she was in a movie called um, Hurry Sundown, where they, it's about one of those sundown towns, and they filmed it on location in Louisiana. Mm. And she says that it was terrible down there because, like, you know, the racists were after them the whole entire time. And she told Uh-oh. Sydney about it. And that's why, that's probably part of why Sydney agreed to do Guests Coming to Dinner and also why he refused to film, what's the, um, Ray Charles, In the Heat of the Night. They filmed that movie in Illinois, not in the South. They spent three days uh, in Tennessee mm. to film the scene, the, the cotton picking scene. And left immediately because the white people tried to act a fool when they got down there too. But you I've know, never actually seen the movie. I've only seen the TV show. The movie is intense. It's really good, but it's intense. Hell, the TV show is intense. I about can't watch it. The TV show, the TV show added a little bit more, a little more lightness and humor. And like the movie is like Mississippi burning, damn near. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After Sydney slapped that white man, woo baby! Yes. <laughs> but that white man came over and slapped. And wasn't the- that that was like the first time? Was that the first time a black person had slapped a white person? It's film? near the first time. It's certainly the first yeah. time like the star of the movie had done it. Okay. And they said, and, that- I, and when and when uh, the the police officer just stood there and he was like, "You're gonna let him, child." He's like, "What are you gonna do about it?" And the white the, um, Rob Steiger said, "I don't know," because he's like, he had never seen a black man slap a white man before. He didn't know how to react. <laughs> <laughs> and then they left it on Ch- um, Ch- um, Chester Harrelson playing the butler. Looked at the looked at his um the white the white plantation man and just went walked <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gotta see old black movies. Y'all gotta see. <laughs> oh, but definitely see Claudine. Um, it's on yeah. Amazon on DVD only, unfortunately, for five dollars. Though, am I, I, I allowed to say where else you can see it, or should we know? Because we ain't trying to get in trouble. We ain't trying to get in trouble. We want people okay, to, pay, to pay pay your pay your five dollars <laughs> on your Amazon. Fare. Pay and, your fare. Yeah. Pay your fare. Pay your fare. Hopefully, somebody you know. Fare. Hulu, or I mean, I mean, if Disney owns all this shit now, they need to start doing some things with it. Like, wait, wait, before you say anything else, Brandon, because usually you get into this, and I'm just surprised too. Mm-hmm. What was the story behind how was it? Wasn't this one of the first soundtracks where a person did like the whole soundtrack, and how did that come about? Oh no, not this one. The first one. Oh God, let me think. Are we talking? We're talking about black people first of all, because like white people, you know, you could do like. Um, all the Beatles stuff and everything. Let's talk about black people first. It was Isaac Hayes doing. No, it was no. It was Booker T and the MGs no, no, doing Kurt, it. Doing it for um, what's that name of that movie? Up is it is it Uptight? I think I it's Uptight. Know which movie are you talking about? Nineteen sixty eight. It's a little movie. It's, uh, they don't show anymore because it's about black street gangs. You know, it's kind uh. of it's not that good. Yeah, Uptight sixty eight. I think that's the earliest one I can think of. Then Isaac Hayes comes across with But it did start the big, the big ones between him, between Curtis Mayfield, Isaac Hayes, and Willie Hutch. Yeah, that's the uh, Shaft, Superfly, The Mac, Foxy Brown, Truck Turner. Uh, yeah. Three Tough Guys. And then... James Brown doing uh, uh, Black, um, Caesar. Black Caesar. And because Claudine mm-hmm. comes, like, 
uh, after all that stuff. Claudine is like really? 74. Yeah, Claudine's 74. They've already, it's part of the wave. Oh, why did I think it was one of the first ones? Well, never mind. Ignore me then, y'all. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. Like, it's one, it's one of the first ones where the artist who was singing it, which is Glass Night and the Pips, it's, didn't okay. write it all themselves. Curtis Mayfield hired them to come in and sing the stuff because he had, um, you know, he knew Glass from the Chitlin circuit. And they were now signed to the ABC Records together, so they um, let but, them do it. But, but he was. It was after he had Aretha do all of Sparkle. No, before. Before, okay. And I think I think the first time Curtis Mayfield had done it was. Um, I want to say the name of the movie was called Small Eyes. Um, I think that's seventy six. Let me go look that up. Hold on. I know a Small Eyes. This soundtrack, uh, which is. Let me see. Because he actually was in. Small eyes himself. Yes. Short eyes, I, 77. Short eyes, short eyes, okay. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> Sat in, in a prison. Uh-huh. I just remember that because because uh, the song Do the Wop is it's strong, strong in here. here, yeah. Yeah. Who's pouring shit? That's me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, who's having a good drink? Uh, but yeah, um... <laughs> Let's go ahead on to the Say Something Nice Challenge. All right. Um, so, um, everybody's boy, uh, Martin Scorsese. Mm. <laughs> Y'all know the story. <laughs> um, he's, he has a new movie coming out on Netflix, The Irishman, which runs three and a half hours long, so you might have to take it in sections. Which uh, I actually want to see because it's got... Uh, my man's in it. Right. Uh, Robert De Niro. Who's the other one who's in it? Al Pacino. Right. Um, and so they asked him, you know, while he's on like the at, um the circuit being interviewed, uh, what he thought of the um, superhero movies that were coming out around his. Um, uh, they didn't specify Marvel movies, but I assume that's what he answered with when he answered. So this is what he said. He said. He had, they asked had he seen them. He said, I tried, you know, uh, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Okay. And so the internet blew up in flames. Even our group blew up in flames. <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting. James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy 1, 2, and coming up 3, and also of uh, Suicide Squad, took particular offense to what was said. Felt like um, uh, Scorsese was, you know, shooting a gun at him directly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and he said this. Uh, Martin Scorsese is one of my... Five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ. Stop playing stuff in my ear. Thank you. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without having seen the film. It was a pop-up from Entertainment Weekly. Trying to do too much. Um, I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. That said, I will always love Scorsese, be grateful for his contribution to cinema, and I can't wait to see The Irishman. That's what he said about that. Uh, Joss Wheaton said about, 
He said, I first think of James Gunn, how his heart and guts are patented to Guardians of the Galaxy. I revere Marty and do see his point, but, well, there's a reason why, quote, I'm always angry. With the reference being the line in the Avengers. So here's the thing. I feel like words mean things when you say things like this. I know Martin Scorsese is, you know, 80-something years old and he should be revered and everything and untouchable god of film and everything like that. Is, everything. is he 80-something or is he 70-something? Hold on, let me look it up. Not take this. Oh. He old. Um, but let's not... He's 76. Let's not kick movies out of cinema for being just pieces of entertainment and, and not much of anything else, which I would argue the Marvel movies, we'll talk Venom and Aquaman and stuff, but the Marvel movies, they go out of their way to try to be regular-ass films in as far as what he says about being things about humans, or maybe non-humans in some cases, like a raccoon or a tree. And especially the later ones. Yeah, especially the later ones and the emotional and psychological mm-hmm. back and forth between them. Like, you know, Iron Man 1 and 2, especially that Hulk, that Edward Norton Hulk, you know. Woo! Yeah. No, not, not very good. Yeah, not, no. not like those are those I are. It, I think we probably started with like Captain American Civil War. <laughs> yeah, I would actually agree with that. That's probably, no, that's, <laughs> that's Civil War. No, that's, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Okay, yeah, is the first one, one first. where you can really sit down and see yeah. that they have understood that these are not just popcorn movies. They can be something a little bit better, and that will sustain them and sustain right. the audience and these characters through when they're making you know twenty and thirty films with them. Because mm-hmm. like, if you take them in, like, peace, especially, like, the Guards of the Galaxy movies, they have a style of their own and tone of their own. I know people accuse Marvel of making TV on film, and some of the movies do come out that way. Like, the Avengers films do come out that way. But, you know, when you get to the individual films of these characters, they do feel like these writers and directors understand them. If you ask them about, you know, when we take these things to the studio, they are always asking them more character, more depth, more, you know, tighten up the story. They can worry about special effects and shit later. They're worrying about the story. That's the difference between the Marvel movies and, like, you know, a lot of these, you know, you know DC-based movies, a lot of the Sony-produced Marvel movies, a lot of the old Fox-produced Marvel movies. They were mm-hmm. so concerned with special effects and things that they were not writing good stories. And you can see the difference right. in those. And I think that's what he's talking about. But those things are still cinema. There's might be good cinema. Because- but also, there's... There's room for everybody. So you can have like a Martin Scorsese film and you can have like a big action movie. You right. can have a tran- you can have a Transformers and a Taxi Driver. You can have, you know, an, an Ant-Man and the Wasp. And these, you can have all of that. Yeah, these things have coexisted for over 100 right. years now because if you think about it, is The Wizard of Oz not cinema? This, you know, uh fantasy children's film starring um Judy Garland. Well, the, now the the Wizard of Okay, so here is what I and we have to just like you said there's room for everybody and everybody has their own portal so mm-hmm. so to speak into mm-hmm. every different medium whether it's film, whether it's literature, you know, right. whether it's music, all the things. And I think that he is coming from a, a very quote unquote highbrow place mm-hmm. that is very that is very much about narrative structure, very much about character development, very much about you know deep going deep character level and all the things, right? You know, we talked about. I heard y'all. Brandon said y'all wasn't blaspheming taxi driver. I said, God damn it, blaspheme taxi driver. Well, Kendrick was Kendrick that. said that he did that <laughs> that he couldn't quite get into it fully because if it had a non traditional. Um, structure. And I actually had right. not seen it before in full. I saw it yesterday for the first time. 
I've Taxi Driver is one of my top ten favorite movies. But as I said, but you have to also realize I am a writer. Right. So I come from everything from a narrative perspective. I come from, you know, I'm we all may or may not have taken film classes in college. So that means the film classes that I took in college were all about the marriage of literature or fiction and film. Those were all right. the classes that I took. So you're looking at things like I think Madame Bovary, and you're looking at how you how the food on the screen makes you feel and how it evokes certain things narrative wise and all that kind of stuff. Right. So and also me, that's, with Scorsese. He's gonna he's he looks at film as literally film. Like I point my camera, I turn it on, actors act or things happen, and I turn it off. And that's what we, you know, we take that and we develop that and put it into the movie. Like, you know, concepts of at least Marvel films where it's, you know, like uh Josh Brolin running around in a suit with balls on it, and he's got like a little standee on his head with a Thanos <laughs> mask on it to show that that's your eyeline for where Thanos is gonna be. We finish special effects. That gets him a little bit concerned. He did make a movie like that, though. Y'all remember Hugo in 2011. Mm-hmm. That's the closest he's, made. he's come to making one of these things. You know, it's a lot of CGI, a lot of special effects. It was shot in 3D, you know, a kid's film. And, but it's still, of course, you know, it is, uh, it's a movie that's literally about movies. So my question about that is that the movie is about, you know, George Melies, the pioneering filmmaker from the 19-teens, who he made these movies about special effects and about and the movie Hugo is about how film used to cinema used to be a magic show, basically. And I still feel like there's an element of that magic show thing when you have these special effects movies. Right. Well, I think one thing he's discounting about Marvel movies to to your point about, you know, when they take it to the theater or to the the um take it to the studio and they want more character and more structure. A lot of people don't necessarily especially people who don't do a lot of series like Martin Scorsese or what have you, don't really see the importance of the universe and how the universe works together. If you right. don't watch, like if you're somebody like me who doesn't watch a lot of Marvel films, you don't understand how the universe works together. And that, But as a writer, you know that it's hard to put together a universe. Creating a universe as a writer is hard as shit. But if you are just a bystander, all you see in like a, the movie I brought up to Brandon was Ant-Man and the Wasp. I sat there with my kids and watched. I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" (laughs) (laughs) But I said, "But it's their movie day, and I just want to show something." So, but then you had like you brought up Brandon the difference between an Ant Man and the Wasp and a Black Panther. But even in a Black Panther, you have to be willing to pay more attention to the narrative and to the characters than to all the bigger. That's what he's. That's what he's relevant is the big effects on the screen. But as I said, in my opinion, where his where his where he, what he said get lost in the weeds is when you start talking about, like you said, other adventures that have a lot of special effects. When you, when you start talking about horror, really well-written horror, like even if it's something that came from a novel, like to me, it's the difference between It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. Because It Chapter 2 was kind of lazy to me. To me, those are the differences. When you're not really, you don't take the time to actually pay attention to the narrative because there's so much things around the narrative. Yeah, and it just It is like a, I don't understand why we want to adapt it so much. It's a weird-ass book. And chapter one got away with it because they left all the weird shit for part two. Yeah. Which is why well, part you know, two is I three hours. Part two, I told my <laughs> friends, and, and a lot of those who are not really horror fan. I don't know if you call me a horror fan, but I am a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And I said that Ooh, chapter no. two tried too hard. Like, it was more Nightmare on Elm Street than it was it. Like, everything in that movie is Nightmare on Elm Street. They, they did it a little bit in Chapter 1, but Chapter 2 is all Nightmare on Elm Street. 
everything about it. Yeah, and they changed a whole <laughs> lot. They tried to make try to make quote unquote sense of a movie of a story that makes very little sense. Right. And cre- <laughs> ended up creating a magical Negro and you know that kind of stuff. And just... <laughs> we look. We didn't got off the off the off the path. But yeah, like so, <laughs> I, and like you know, and I know what people say when they say things aren't. But like my thing is. Call it non-prestige cinema. Call it popcorn movies. Don't call, don't say it's not cinema because that that is like where you're undervaluing somebody because they want to make something that is for more general eyes that isn't quite as dense. Because you know the kind of movie he's talking about the all tour you know dr- director driven film. Those have only existed in America since outside of your Orson Welles and your Alfred Hitchcocks since 1965 66. So we can't say that everything before that was not cinema. A lot of those of those movies that were made back then were made as part of an assembly line of movies where it's like, we got to get out 20 movies this year. They're going to be varying degrees of success based on upon who's making them and who's starring in them, but they're going to get made no matter what. So they were a product first, but you know you have people who came in and tried to make them, you know, good actors, good writers, good directors who tried to elevate this material and make something that meant something. And a lot of these movies still last to this day because the people who meant, who tried their best and a lot of the movies don't last that we don't talk about bad films that came out that were boring, like Lauren Hardy and The Big Noise versus Lauren mm-hmm. Hardy and Way Out West. We see the difference. You know, you don't bring up every single last. That's why people try to think, oh, movies were so much better back then. No, they weren't. We just, we just remember the good ones and we keep showing the good ones and we let the bad ones rot in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Scorsese hates. He wants to preserve everything. He's really big on film preservation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't, so I don't think costing cinema should reflect the quality of it. Because that's, I said, it's like the, rap versus hip-hop thing that, you know, I was guilty yeah, of. Yeah, that we used yeah. to do back in the late <laughs> 90s, early 2000s. Like, you know, uh, Talib Kweli is hip-hop. Uh, uh, um, Lil Wayne is just rap. What we do is still now. I mean, it's, it really yeah. is, at the end of the day, it's a generational thing. Every time we talk about mumble rap, but I mean, I'm still listen to it in the car when I'm trying to turn up. I mean, right. it's the same stuff. Right. And hip-hop has evolved so much because they just said Lizzo, she now has the longest number one for a female rap artist. I was like, Lizzo is a female, is a rap artist? Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't she sing? Half- I guess like the Missy thing, though, you know, because yeah, Missy sings half her rappers too, mm-hmm. so. Uh, but yeah, at, so that's really where I was coming from it with, like, you know, I'm not saying the movies aren't, some of the movies, Marvel movies aren't good, because Lord knows that 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 Hulk and that uh, Iron Man 2 and that Captain America. Captain America 1, that Listen, the first gotta, 40 you, minutes you was so to, good. You, the rest of it was terrible. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you have to graduate at some point. So, right. You know. <laughs> Thank God they got better. Thank God they got better. And I mean, like, some of the other movies are starting to catch on. You know, Shazam is a lovely movie about families and adoption and the foster system, in addition to all the stuff about magic powers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, of course, is a movie about women in, you know, how women were treated in the 19-teens, you know, in addition to all the stuff about Ares and Ares is the key and the magic and all that kind of stuff and the fighting and stuff like that. The better ones understand that we can't just put a hero and a villain and just have them hit each right. other and have Kristen, um, what's her name? Dolphin T. What's her name? 
Kristen, Kristen Dunst screamed Kristen Dunst. while hanging off of a, a, a the ledge. We can't just do oh, that. <laughs> and I think that's why, I, like I said, I don't watch a lot of Marvel, but I, that's why I love about Black Panther because you can tell they, not only did they take great care to write a great narrative, they took great care to try and put it in historical perspective. And they did themes. a lot of work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they did a lot of work on that. It's a real and movie. It's, definitely because there were like Black people from the top to bottom working on yeah. it. Yes. Because if somebody white had written Black Panther, who shall? Oh, shall. Mm. I mean, somebody oh white invented it. Have y'all, have, has anybody ever read, I know we're, this is not the comic book crowd, have y'all ever read the original Stan Lee written Black Panther stories? No, never. No. Um, I think some of them might be up for free on Marvel.com someplace. Try try reading Fantastic Four number 60. Which one is Black Panther in? Because I read them and I was like, Mr. Lee? <laughs> no. But you know what? A little fact that I just learned. What up? I didn't realize the guy who wrote um, Black Panther's Quest, the cartoon that just came out, I think came out last year on TV mm-hmm. uh, that I watched, is the cop from In the Heat of the Night, the TV show. Mm. Je- uh, Jeff, is it Jeff? Jeff Johns? Hold on. Because I was listening to uh, Screenwriter's Rant Room. And Not Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns is the white man that runs. Okay. Well, well, the half white it's, man, um, half Lebanese man that runs DC comic stuff. But so he was like on an episode recently and they're talking about it. And I was like, I'm going to Google this man. And I Googled him. And then I was like, oh, wait, that is the cop, the black cop from right. uh, Sweets. Yeah, Sweets was his character's name. Yeah, he played Sweets. But it's the guy he, so he wrote Black Panther's Quest that came out last year, which actually was really good. And I kept telling y'all that y'all needed to watch it, but you didn't have the channel brand new. Disney so XD. My yeah. cable don't go up that high. But it was, I mean, it was like a good freaking show. And also, Latrice, I should say, so good. I, I after you showed, uh, you told me about it, I got into listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. I love that show. I, I love it because it, it's like people who actually work in the industry and they actually like... They either have wins or like sometimes they will struggle and they'll talk about it. Yes. Like like yeah, like we don't have a job right now. Or cause Hilliard was on uh, what what was the show? Shoot. Deadly Class. Yeah, he worked on Deadly only Class. Ran, yeah, only ran for that one season. Um, so yeah, it's like it's really good. And they have a lot of people, like all the movies that come out, mm-hmm. they usually will get like, you know, the writer or somebody. Yeah. They had Wilson they, Cruz on back in the day. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I learned a lot about, um, what is it, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes. Because they had the guy, the white guy who was the co-writer on there. Right. And a director, too. He directed it as well. Mm Mm-hmm. That movie is good, y'all. If you have not seen that, please see The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Please see. It's on Blu-ray. It's actually sitting across from me right now. All right. But yeah, so that is our show. Alicia, Carolyn, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Alicia, where can they find you online if you want to be found online? I don't want to be found online. Perfectly understandable. <laughs> well, the Carolyn. Fans, how, the fans she, she already sound, know She sounds like Courtney are. on, on uh, the CW show. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, Courtney always say, you can find me, but don't come in my inbox with no fuck shit. Right. <laughs> Carolyn, where can they find you online? The, the You can find me as a person um, on Facebook as Dub Carolyn, on both Instagram and Twitter as CW the host. You can find the C-Dub show across all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as the C-Dub show. And, of course, anywhere you listen to the Say Something Nice podcast, you can also find the C-Dub show. All right. As for us, you can find us at SSMPodcast.com. 
SSM Podcast is our handle on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, all the podcasts except for that SoundCloud. Uh, but yes. <laughs> and please go and check out the single simulcast. I was on episode 350 as a special guest with Stephanie from Mocha Minutes as well. The episode is called Taking Shots with Nerds. Uh, and that's actually literally describing nerds, the candies, because we talked about the 10 best and 10 worst Halloween candies. We talked about oddly imitation of life and Stacey Dash. That's how imitation of life came up. Uh, we talked about the Amber Geiger case as well and a couple of other things. So, yeah. So shout out to Ray Shani and Shanta Fabulous for letting us be on the show. So please go and check that out. Single Simulcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be found. Thank you all so much for joining us. This has been the Say Something Nice podcast. I am Brandon. I am here with Alicia. Thing is not on. Thanks for having me. Um, Ali. Hello. Latria. Bye. And, I don't know, Kellen, can you do, like, how Kendrick does with, like, a funny out? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I'm sorry. All right, hey, Carol. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. All right. All right. Ollie, you got quiet in there. Not... I, was, I, was, I thought Ollie was like, gone. They didn't have Diane Carol on the island? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I thought Ollie might have ate some carbs and food. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. I was like, let me click on I did. I did have a. I ain't heard it in like thirty minutes. Ali know he watched them different world episodes of Diane Carroll. I don't know why he playing. I did. I did watch all of them. I did watch all. That's where I. That's where I saw her first. And then, and then there were those uh, times I would see clips online of, of Dynasty. Mm. Yes. All right, y'all. I've been out in the sun all day. I'm about to. All right. (laughs) Have a good evening. Um, why didn't nobody tell me Snoop was in the new Adams Family movie? Because he's playing Cousin It. He's doing vocal effects. (laughs) I just saw. I just got an email because I I get the like the EPK emails mm-hmm. that I signed up on the site and I was like I looked at the cast page and I was like wait Snoop and I scroll down and yeah it says like cousin it like I found I saw that I found a tweet today because today Bette was Miller. the premiere oh Bet Miller and Allison Janney are in it too who are they I don't know who they are but it's um Ooh. it's Charlize Theron and um yes, Oscar and my Isaac boom. Yeah. yes Zaddy yes yes, yes. Yeah, it comes out this well, week. Okay, you Gemini know, see, Brandon, we're going to fight because you said that yes to, it was to, uh, Oscar too close to my yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to fight. I mean, you know, you know. You know Get what? your own, okay? Get your own, man. You Look, I, did, I got to write down my list. So you, know, <laughs> so you don't be coming over here in my hood, okay? Leave my mans alone. I'm sorry. This Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Listen, Davis. ever since, even though that movie sucked, ever since I saw Annihilation, I have been obsessed with him. I'm like, okay, who is this man? <laughs> like, this movie is horrible, but yes to you. Who are you? <laughs> and he he reminds me of the guy, 
I don't know if you ever watched. Have you ever watched the um? Shit, what's the Tim Allen Christmas movies? The uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. So the guy that plays Bernard in the Santa Claus. The he, head. The head elf. Yes. You put looks, on the suit. You're the big guy. Right. He looks, <laughs> he looks just, and he was also on that TV show Numbers, which was a really good show. Yes. Um, but he looks just like Oscar Isaac. And so when I saw Oscar Isaac in Annihilation, I thought it was that dude. I thought it was Bernard, you know, from Santa Claus. And I was like, so look at Bernard getting they a new look job. At him. Right. And I was like, oh, I was like, wait, I think that's him. No, it's kind of looked like him. So it's so like they really do look like they could be brothers. Yeah, they do. I wonder. Let me, yeah, I'm going to Google it. You know, because folks really do be like cousins out here. Mm-hmm, like the brat and... Um, <laughs> right, and, and we never and, know. And um, Mia Long and Joe, whoever her sister was. Oh, they got the teasers out for The Little Mermaid Live. And they got a picture of um, Queen Latifah as Ursula. And <sighs> when I tell you, she looks perfect. I really, honestly, I really thought that they would have gotten her for like the actual Disney. Like that's in my head. Who I was like for the remake, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm glad she's doing it for the live. But I don't think they had the, the clip of her singing um, "Poor Unfortunate Souls." Oh, I didn't click God. it yet, but I, didn't click, I, I see think it here. Yeah, John Stamos is playing Chef Louis. John Stamos. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm un- with un- it. Uh, Uncle um, Uncle, Uncle Jesse. Jesse. So he's, he gonna sing in that French Making accent. Everybody eat. You know, he got it. Le poisson, he he he, ho ho ho. <laughs> Why do you know the wow. lyrics? Why do you know okay. the lyrics that song? I don't okay. know a damn Ollie, note of it. Only <laughs> let me find out you out here moonlighting on Broadway. Excuse <laughs> me. I thought that was the funniest thing when he's he's trying to he's trying to put Sebastian in, in the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing Sebastian in the live? Uh, let me look. Um, Shaggy. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait. So who's producing the live? Uh, let me see. Who's Is it Fox? No, it's ABC because it's ABC? Disney. Uh, Richard Kraft oh. is the producer. Well, no, I just I wanted like what studio? So it's Disney. It's so, Disney. And okay, so they're doing it twice. I I still right. don't understand why. Why are we doing this? <laughs> they. I'm trying to look at this thing. Um. Like if if we know the the live action movie is coming, why are we doing this live? Because like it's the thirtieth anniversary of the film. Okay, well they could have they could have just had the live action movie come out. Um, no, they got it's gonna be a while before they get to that. <laughs> I'm just, but I'm just saying they should have planned it better and like had it to where it would have come out the thirtieth anniversary. Maybe they should have switched it in Aladdin, perhaps, but like. Um, so now that makes sense why I saw an ad just yesterday. And I was like, why am I seeing an ad for a new Ariel doll? It's like this, air, look like the doll was like child size. And I was like, oh, am I too old to <laughs> ask Santa Claus for this? Because I will show have this doll. Now, when they first announced this, they said they were going to show the movie and then cut out the movie during a commercial break and show a live performance. I think they sounded more like now they're going to do them separately. Mm. Like maybe like back to back, but the idea is to show the movie and to do the live shows at some point during that weekend, November the fifth. If I so properly, yeah, November fifth. Okay. 
I just watch my DVDs. I want to know why I'm the only person that appreciates Little Mermaid 2 and also Ariel's beginning. Like, why do do they act like they didn't make those movies? I feel like I'm the only person who acknowledges them because I own all three. People have, like, a blanket... I mean, I'm I'm part of it too. They're good. Like a blanket I like hatred them. of all the Disney sequels because it was a whole thing about how they weren't made by the same production company. They weren't made by the, the original directors and writers had no input. They mm-hmm. were just product that Michael Eisner wanted so they could have more product for you know more profit. Some of them Always. turned out, yeah. Some of them turned out better than expected. Like I guess the Little Mermaid and um, Lion King one and a half turned out good. They, they say I haven't seen it yet, but they say it's really good. Oh, yeah, um, I haven't seen that either. But, you know, then you Lion have... Lion King one and a half is very interesting because it's basically the Lion King all over again, but this time it's from Tim Morton Pumbaa's perspective. Right. Ah. And um, was it going to, what was the other one? Um, uh, Return of Jafar is okay. I was about to say, them, them extra Latins. <laughs> the, uh, the Latin three is sort of kind of, it's okay, too. Mm. Like... Rewatching them, you're like, <laughs> but I just, I just feel like even those, like nobody literally ever talks about the fact that there were two other Little Mermaid movies. Like you hear about like the other Aladdin movies and like Lion King and all of that, but you don't ever hear about <laughs> Little Mermaid two or Ariel's beginning. And I'm just like, why is that? Why does no one acknowledge those? I don't know. Except for me. Oh. The Jungle Book. I remember the Jungle Book two came out in theaters, and I was like, "How dare they?" <laughs> uh, what's the What's the song? Um, walk the is it Walk? Bare necessities. Yeah. The simple, simple. bare necessities. What's it? The voice. Phil me. Harris is a white man who sung jazz in the nineteen sixties. Okay. He also did the voice of the of the cat in um, the Aristocats. Oh, listen! I don't like cats, but that is in my top. Five Disney like I love Aristocats so much. Did you see that one? The Lizzo. Lizzo. Yeah, I I put it in the group. I was the one who found it. Okay, I I can't remember what I'd be seeing stuff. I was like, why is this perfect? I kept I played this so many times. I was like, who does this? Who who has the time to sit here and go? You know what? Children. They be Arista doing Cats it in social like, studies class. Oh, one of the best. Watch them remake it. Listen, everything is, it ain't tied down. They gonna try. They better, you, listen, don't you come out here with no live, live action Aristocats. I don't want to see that. Listen, if they, if, if they fix. I if don't want to see that. If that Cats movie comes out and with their new, their, their new face oh, fur technology. Yeah. <laughs> Digi- yeah, you better believe. Technology. Oh my God, no. You better believe. Because they're already doing Lady and the Tramp. They're going to do Aristocat. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? The only one that has worked is 101 Dalmatians. Now that one I did like. But they didn't have the dogs talking like they do in, in the movie, in the original anime. I'm glad they didn't make the, I'm glad they didn't make the dogs talk. Then they're going to yeah, do the rescuers. <gasps> oh no. Oh, oh what oh. about Five an American Tale? Well, that's not Disney. So that's we're, not that's Disney. I, I know, but I'm just saying like, Day. I don't think I don't know why I feel... would, would do that to us. I, I, don't, that was, I don't know I think why that I feel... was one of the first. Because if that come out before Lion King, yes, it did. Come out in eighty six. Okay, yeah, was that was four. one of the that was one of the first cartoon movies that I was crying and Philo broke my heart. I can't. I was like, he just wanted, he just wanted his family. He was yep. all alone, all alone. 
I can't I can't handle it if they if they read you re- rescuers. That movie is I, I'm sorry, that movie is perfect. No, not not that the rescuers. Um, Bernard and Bianca, Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor. R E S U E Rescue Aid Society heads held high, touch the sky. You mean everything to me? Oh, okay. I did I did I see that? I remember it now. There's two of them. There's the one from '77 and the one from 1990. The rescuers down under where they go to Australia. That's okay. That's why I was like, aren't they Australian? So that's the one I I remember. But maybe I'll. Okay, I think I've seen it, but it's just I don't remember it because I don't think I watched it a lot as much as the other Disney movies I've seen. I, I, I just probably, love, I, I probably only watched it that. once. The art style on that is so. I know it's. I know nowadays, uh, if you look back on it, it doesn't look as. It's that it loose as, um, pencil line style they were doing. Yeah, that then. scratchy looking yeah. thing. Which fits I don't know what you call movie. that. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, it does. Well, this is really called like it's it's a technical result of them starting to just Xerox the animators' pencil drawings. Before you know, you had the pencil drawings for every frame. They would trace them into ink. In 1915, okay. when they're working on Sleeping Beauty, they um, Ubi works Walt Disney's childhood friend who ran the special effects department. He invented a Xerox machine that would transfer the paper drawings to the plastic cells, eliminating the need for having inking done. And so it took them a long time to figure out how to get that solid line back to, to Disney films. So you would have like 20 years of that scratchy line thing going on where they're it's like, oh, you know, a Xerox so machine, that's why, Xerox and pencil lines. Okay, so that's why you have um, movies like Rescuers, um, Robin Hood. Well, yeah, Robin Hood, 101 Down Aristocats. Aristocats, Sword in the Stone, right. Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah, and they all look Fox like that. And the Hound. Fox and the Hound, I think, is where they invented a more, a higher tech um, photochemical like process that did a better job of copying it to the cell so the lines held together better. And then, of well, course, it looked good on yeah. Rescuers, though. By the time they did Rescuers Down Under, they had the, uh, the Oh, yeah, that was, that was super clean. Yeah, that was super clean. Built for them by Pixar. Yeah. But it it, it, it worked for that time. Yep. Because that was the really- 70s when everything was looser anyway. And there were, like, you like, Schoolhouse Rock and that Tootsie Roll commercial. And then all those Charlie Brown specials all have that look, too. 